It's the sport that goes year-round. As soon as the regular season ends, let the off-season begin, folks. This is the push-off. Welcome to a new episode of the Push Shop Podcast. It's your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that's happening in the offseason and gets you ready for the NFL draft. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us as always, it's Dan Cannon attached to the shoulder. Right. That's right, Dan. Uh, the uh, Super Bowl has come and gone. Uh, about a week or so ago, we uh, congratulated the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, broke down what was a very good Super Bowl, a very high-scoring Super Bowl, um, led by two future uh, and NFL franchise faces. Already, yeah, already they so. are NFL franchise faces. Jalen Hurts. One definitely is. The other Pat one Mahomes, is like... Holmes. Oh, yeah. Could be going down as one of the greatest of all time once he's had his say. Uh, they're young. We talked about... Both of them, I think, coming into the league. If nothing else, we touched on Hurts a little bit, but for sure Mahomes was in there near our... Uh, actually, he came in right before I think we started this podcast. Yeah. Has he been in for seven, like seven years now? So Yeah, he was... He was. It was the Trubisky draft. Right after the Trubisky draft is when we started this when podcast. When we started. So, okay. So, he, we were there for, yeah, him joining in his first full year and all that good stuff. So, yeah, watched him grow into his own. But what I'm leading to is... Now it's our turn to discuss the new young guns. Uh, we are jumping into our uh, prospect breakdowns. We're looking at the young guys coming in. The NFL draft is in about two months from when we were recording this one. Uh, we yep. are planning to be there live in Kansas City uh, to, to, to celebrate it. But yeah, what we're talking about today is the QBs. We're going to start right off the butt. We got so many good prospects. You know, we got we got John Moxon, we got Lance Harbor, uh, you know, we got Willie Beeman, Joe Kingman, uh, Paul Crew. There's just sorry, no, these are sorry, these are fictional quarterbacks. My apologies. <laughs> we actually have real ones. Uh, uh, yeah, we've got sex. We're going to talk about. Um, and I went back and, and listened to kind of the start of our last year's one on the QBs. That one was a little softer. That one we hit later on in the uh, the draft lineup because there wasn't a lot of guys. And as we saw too, um, heading into that that podcast, we talked a lot about how guys could maybe jump up the boards. And you said, you know, some of these guys that we were seeing as top twenty QBs gone, you had them as like third round guys. And mm-hmm. sure enough, they did end up falling down there. Um, before we get into the QBs this week. Where do you see them, Dan? Uh, so there's an interesting cross section, I would say, in uh, in this season's draft picks. Last year, I only gave one first round grade out. I gave it to Kenny Pickett. That's right, and he Kenny wanted, Pickett was the only one that went first round. So you know, some of this is some of this is manufactured hype by agents. Some of this is manufactured hype by guys that 
watch the draft film and maybe fall in love with somebody and a couple of them agree and then suddenly a guy's a first round talent. Mm. Malik Willis, right, was supposed to be maybe the first quarterback off the board last year. Right. Remember that? Like right. people always forget about this shit. And I and I want to remind you guys, anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a long time, I gave a really bad grade to a quarterback a long time ago in Josh Rosen. I gave well, him gave, a really good grade. Yeah, you gave a good grade to a quarterback that didn't pan out. That's true. Oh, yeah, not good. I still hold by my Josh Allen pick that he was actually a second-round talent with an incredible upside. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, though. I'm just going to evaluate, and this is going to be across the board, I'm going to evaluate where you are just straight talent-wise. Obviously, a quarterback with a late first-round grade from me is probably looking as a top 10 pick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that's just kind of the way it is nowadays in the NFL. If you've got a second, like an early second round grade, they're probably going to be somewhere in the late first. Quarterbacks get pushed up the, up the bill. The same thing for a running back. If I give a running back a top five grade, there's a, there's a decent chance that running back might fall out of the top 10, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the need, just because of the projection. This season, I, do, I don't want to give away who has, um, who has the first-round grades, but I'm going to tell you there's more than one first-round quarterback here. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is uh, there was a very strong year two years ago of QBs coming in. Last year, the the field was a little weaker because they were coming in this year, I think, or at least a couple of bigger names that decided to hang around, not mm-hmm. not uh, 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 join the NFL draft just last year. We, we brought it up last uh, year's episode to uh um a buck uh hunting in the wilderness like sometimes you gotta let those those animals reproduce (laughs) take a year off get get a little bit more uh, uh numbers out there and uh and i i will say there are a couple prospects here that we're gonna talk about today one in one in particular two uh on the edge that I think could have probably used another season in the field, maybe grow up a couple more points on those antlers. Nice. Um, okay. I think no. a couple guys are coming out. See, I listen. I listen to your analogies. I like them. Yeah. I haven't done much hunting, but I'd love to. I think um, it might have been your analogy last year, but anyways, it's what it's our. Analogy. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's everything's ours. We're this is a marriage. This, <laughs> you know, there's no prenup. It's all everything belongs to both of us. But uh, there's a, there's a few of these guys here that probably could have used another year of seasoning, and there's uh, maybe one or two guys that probably wish they could have come out last year. Yeah. Um. So you know, we're as we run down it, we'll we'll talk about some comparables. You know, some guys in the NFL that are there. I never, I never think those are uh, super adept because there's always different. You know, everybody's different. You know, there's there's nothing new under. Uh, under the sun, but at the same time, you know, history never repeats itself. It just rhymes. Right. All of these guys, you can probably find a rough analogy, but you're going to have to jam a couple guys together to get a full understanding of who they are and where they could go. And I'm curious if you have them. I've written some down that I saw this week too. Um, and we are dancing around the subject, and I think we are doing it because first I want to kind of hit news. And the only real news that's happened is uh, coordinator hires has been kind of solidifying mm-hmm. now. So I'm going to go over some names here. It's not something we usually give a lot of attention to, offensive, defensive coordinators. But I think we should because these are the future head coaches, honestly. These are the guys, when you get these coordinator positions a lot of times, you're the next in line, and the cor- the guys who are going to get the interviews the next time around. Yeah, except for Joe Lombardi, who's trash. <laughs> we got five 
new head coaches this year, it seems like around that number is gets refreshed every year. It's a revolving door of a job. Uh, who would ever want mm-hmm. one? Well, these guys do. Um, here's the big one. Commanders, offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Dan, we discussed Sam Howell in last year's QB uh, show. Here's a little connection. Sam Howell, they're saying is going to be the heir apparent there for the commanders in the D.C. Capitol, and Eric Bieniemy is going to be the guy giving them the plays. Sam Howell is a girl you're dating in early February. Mm. Why break up now? Just get through Valentine's Day. <laughs> see if there's, you know, you don't have a lot of commitments after that between Valentine's Day and April. Then you make your decision. There's some singles going into coming the draft. in. Yeah, there's a- yeah, going into the draft, uh, you know, why, you know, you're here with the one you came with. It is what it is. But you better believe Eric Bieniemy did not take that, you know, that position going like, I fucking love Sam Howell. <laughs> Maybe he likes Sam Howell. Maybe he wants to keep Sam Howell around. But I don't think you could accurately look at Sam Howell in the situation the Washington Commanders are in and go, this is our guy. We're riding dirty with this one for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, as we move down, so with uh, Eric Bieniemy leaving the Chiefs now after many, many years there as offensive coordinator, he leaves an open spot, and the new offensive coordinator is not a new face for the Kansas City Chiefs. It is Matt Nagy returning. Now, when Matt Nagy was there as the Chiefs one before the Bears took him as uh, head coach, was he offensive coordinator or was he just QB coach? What was he for the Chiefs? He was offensive coordinator who did not call plays. That's right. It was. It's always been Andy Reid mostly. Well, mm-hmm. Biennemi, does he call it? Did not call plays. Didn't call plays either. Okay. Nope. So, yeah, interesting taking offensive coordinators. And obviously these guys, I don't know. Well, Matt Nagy can go right back into the position he was and have to call the plays again. Still Andy Reid's uh, team there in Kansas City. Uh, Cardinals offense coordinator is going to be Drew Petzing. I think I got, I got that wrong in the last episode saying that it was going to be the uh, Eagles guy. Uh, yep. Eagles are the Eagles had um, it was defense coordinator right Gannon in Arizona yeah, Gannon he's was, yeah. bringing in Petsing so there's the confusion I had there um, read that article yeah, the Eagles wrong. offensive coordinator went to go coach the Colts right there you go Panthers offensive coordinator is going to be Thomas Brown and Rams offensive coordinator Liam Cohen those wrap up offensive coordinator hires for this time around um the only thing I have for defense coordinators, Broncos, Vance Joseph. Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's an interesting one because Vance Joseph, not many seasons ago, was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Um, this is a little different. The GM has uh, flipped over since, but that's got to be an interesting move for a guy who people were maybe thinking Vance Joseph could get a head coaching call. The Cardinals maybe just promote him from underneath because the Cardinals seem to like him. We watched him in the in-season hard knocks with Arizona. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Vance Joseph? Uh, Well, we talked about it a little bit with Vic Fangio. You know, we were like, "Eh, could could Fangio come back to the the Broncos? And we were like, ah, it's a little too soon. Even Vance Joseph is a little too soon, but he's got a ton of Colorado connections, which we saw in the hard knocks. You know, we saw Vance Joseph went to Colorado. Vance Joseph was was the Denver Broncos. Like, he seems to love Colorado. It makes sense to bring him back. And he's a good D coordinator. I think it's a great connection, um, especially for the fact that they just added fucking uh, Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator, who's uh, absolute trash. That's right. Joe Lombardi, offense coordinator for the uh, Broncos. Um, This is Sean Payton's team. He's cultivating there in Denver. Uh, QB coach for Denver. Did you see who that's going to be? 
Davis uh, oh. Webb. Yeah, Davis Webb from the Richmond Spiders. Left the, the longtime uh, New York Giants backup role to now uh, be the QB coach and QB whisper there for get Russ Wilson back on back on track there. Yeah, Russell Wilson is older than and more successful than Davis <laughs> Webb, and he's going to be coached by him. But I'll tell you this, I think that's actually good because Davis Webb, athletically, not there. Not there. Everything he did was through like sheer coaching and fundamentals. So, you know, you're not looking at a guy like Brock Osweiler coming in and being a QB coach who had all of the tools and didn't put them together. Right. A guy like Davis Webb didn't have any of the tools and still was able to kind of make something happen. I've always been surprised that Chad Pennington didn't wind up becoming a QB coach or an offensive coordinator. I see that. Yeah, a lot of QBs that maybe yeah, didn't have the rocket arm but played as a backup for many years because they understood the situation and the teams and the, the exactly. plays. Those guys, yeah, are good coaches. So maybe Davis Webb yeah, finds his, his spot here. Uh, the other defensive coordinators, Jim Schwartz, Brown's defensive coordinator there, um, old head coach of the Lions. He's so good. He's such a good D coordinator. As a D coordinator, works out a lot. And then uh, Cardinals defensive coordinator is going to be Nick Rallis. I don't know him. Yeah, new to the position. Their Cardinals are, you know, it's it's a mess there. It's going to need to get fixed. But I don't know if Nick Rallis will be calling the defensive plays if the cord or the head coach coming from Philly oh, is the defensive Eagles guy. linebacker. He's the Eagles linebackers coach. That makes sense. It's already somebody that is working underneath him. That makes a lot they, of sense. They've pelfered that Eagles uh, coordinator stuff. So we'll see who uh, Sirianni brings in as his new guys, or if he just uh, brings them up from within. But trying to keep yeah. track of those coordinator guys. That's what I have for this week. The only other real news, Dan, Byron Jones. Hanging it up. Said he's retiring uh, just the other day uh, after just eight years in the league, 30 years old. He uh, posted something about having bad knees, not being able to run and jump right now, and then he came out saying, no, no, I'm not retiring, and then all of a sudden he is. Um, When did you get that update? Well, I got a multiple two things of it. I thought it said he wasn't retiring, then he was. Did he back out? So I think he probably isn't retiring yet because he would have to give money back oh, if he does. So it's just like a rumor thing, maybe. I'm. It seems like this is just one of those legalese things where it's like, you know, I can't run or jump or do anything. Uh, they're like, "Are you retiring?" No, no, no. I'm going to play forever. <laughs> it's like I'm going to make the Dolphins give me the money <laughs> that they owe me for fucking my shit up. Okay. So I I don't think he's retiring yet. I agree with you. It seems like he's headed in that direction. Um. But yeah, he hasn't he hasn't officially stated he's going to retire because of legal implications. I'm seeing that. Yeah, tweets posted Saturday by Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones created a clear impression that he's unable to play football, which means he's done playing football. But he says that he's not retiring. So yeah, he's complaining that here in the off season his body is so banged up that he can't do anything with it. And they're like, well, then you're done. And yeah, like you said, there's. There's money reasons, contractual reasons why you don't hang it up until a specific time. And yeah, yeah. nobody wants Freak. to cut that out of there. Freak athlete. Yeah. Set a world record for the broad jump at the combine. Right. Maybe we'll be talking Ran about a- him when he does. But yeah, Cowboys draft pick. And uh, did he, after he was drafted by the Cowboys, he signed the big contract to the Dolphins. And that's been it so far, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's been it. Yeah. He was Cowboys to Dolphins. We had him on a franchise tag for one year. Uh, had a great season, and then boop, That's fuck what it. You do. It is what it is. Set on yourself. Yeah. Um, okay, well, then we'll come back to him. That's all that I have for news, though. So here we go. 
back into the draft prospects. Um, before we jump into specifically the quarterbacks, well, let's get an idea of what we do for draft prospects. Dan's looking at tape. I'm looking at, uh, I got some measurements. I got spots of where they usually mock up. Now we're pretty early in the mock game. Uh, that's what the next two months are for. Mocks plenty, everybody. Get your mocks in. Everybody does uh, 12 to 15. Dan, how many mocks have you done? Just on your cabinets. Uh, I, ha- I have done about 10. I usually <laughs> use Fanspeak. There you go. Fanspeak's um, a good one. Big fan of Fanspeak. There's a lot more adjustable. I, I actually do buy the season. I use it enough that I buy the season-long Fanspeak. Sure. Uh, and it's like, fuck, man. I'm doing like two or three drafts a day. One of the things it, it helps with is there's so many guys that come out every year, right? So many. You don't know who you're going to be looking at in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. But if you find, if you know your own team's needs... They're like, you kind of keep drafting the same guy in the sixth or seventh round. You're like, maybe I should learn who that is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, take a look at him. He's always piled up there. Maybe this is a guy that uh, will be available at that time. Um, uh, we're also looking at uh, NFL comparisons. Like you said, I've gotten some off of websites of guys who do this stuff. So it's going to be probably different than what Dan says. Um, we've I've had pre- previous listeners that think it's funny where, I usually come up with one of these and you are like, no, I don't really agree <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> but that's what makes it nice is we get differing opinions. Um, I've I've had a few. I actually came in this year preloaded with a few analogies. Good. A few comparables for you. Nice. Nice. I'm super excited. And then also we talk about uh, the big word, elite. Do we have elite prospects coming in? Um, do you want to know now? For QBs, I, I want to know in a second. But first of all, let's explain what you do because – it comes down to uh, not just like the number one overall pick is automatically elite. Most of the time, yep. they don't get picked first overall. Who was elite last year? Just give us an idea. Who were your elite guys? Were there? Uh, <laughs> last year? No, last year we did. We had like two elites. Let me let me look through it. So the Trevon Walker was our number one. Uh, was Trevon Walker was not, one, but he was not. Yeah, we he was not elite. We also we did didn't not really even look at him. Yeah. No, we didn't even give an elite grade to Aiden Hutchinson, though. Okay. In fairness, um, I don't. I don't think I gave out a single elite grade last year. You, and it's hard to get it. Um, I even think the previous year there, w- it was hard to come by. So, um, can you think of some in the previous few seasons, Dan? Who's gotten elites? I, I remember the argument we had. Uh, yes, Jamar Chase was an elite. Yep. Um, we did not give an elite grade to Trevor Lawrence. Um, we obviously didn't give one to, um, Zach Wilson cause he's shitty. Right. Um, we gave one to Jamar Chase. We gave one to Devonta Smith. Yes. Um, we just missed out on giving it to Mac, uh, Micah Parsons. I I'll admit that I, I did not think he was going to be as fucking great as he was. Right. Um, but there weren't a lot. We didn't, we gave one to, uh, Rashawn Slater as well. That year there were only three. We gave it to Devonta Smith, year. Jamar Chase, and Rashawn Slater. I know Vikings just traded for TJ Hawkinson, who was a elite the year he was drafted. So it's, he was. and it comes down to positional kind of things too. So when you are picking elites, what are you looking for? Let's say it before you. Play. So we're looking for, uh, sort of scheme, uh, invulnerability. It doesn't really matter where you go. You're going to be successful in that scheme. Um, a guy that we can talk about who got an elite grade from us and clearly is one is Joe Burrow. There you go. He's one of the very few QBs. Uh, that particular draft, we gave one to Joe Burrow, Chase Young. We gave one to Tristan Wirfs and, strangely enough, C.D. Lamb. Uh-huh. Uh, so you remember how excited I was That's when we right. got him. That's I was right. like, holy shit. Um, 
So when it's an elite, it doesn't matter where you're going to go, what offense or defense you're going to go in, you're going to be able to thrive because you have multiple position flexibility or skills, or you're a guy that we can plug and play right now, and you're going to come in and play at a Pro Bowl level. That is the anticipation. You're going to come in as a rookie and play, in all likelihood, at a Pro Bowl level. Nice. Um, that I mean, that sounds like a, a pretty tough fucking draw, and it absolutely is. But uh, that's why we don't give out don't give away a lot of those grades. Yeah, especially quarterbacks. Are you kidding? Like you're lined up for rookie of the year kind of things, but Pro Bowl means you're going to have to have one of those tremendous out of the gun years, and you're learning a lot right away. So yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess we're at that point, Dan. Um, are there any elites in this QB draft? Of this, well, of the six guys you looked at, which are considered probably four of the top, four guys are probably in the top uh, mm-hmm. group of the guys. So go ahead. Of the six quarterbacks we're going to talk about day, uh, today, there is absolutely no elite. Mm-hmm. No elite. I There is a lot of chatter uh, about one of these particular guys being a number one overall pick. I will tell you, um, I'll just give it away. Yeah. Bryce Young is not even rated as a top five, top ten, or top of the first round QB in my mind. Oof. Okay. Is that who, who do you want to start with though? I let you go. I want to start you. with my with my number one. Okay. Who's your number one quarterback? My my number one QB, and this is you know, my college team. Mm-hmm. You know, I am always a believer of the blue, Dan, and I will tell you, Dan likes Michigan. From from my scouting, my number one prospect this year is Coleridge Bernard Stroud the Fourth. Okay, wait, what? What is his first? What is his name? Col- Coleridge. Coleridge is the C. What's the J? Probably Junior. Okay, Coleridge Junior Stroud. Okay, Coleridge Bernard Stroud the Fourth, which is a badass fucking. Why do you go by CJ if your fucking name is Coleridge? <laughs> Coleridge Stroud. You know? Yeah, CJ Stroud, six three, two fifteen, Ohio State's QB. That feels accurate. I think he's probably going to come in the combine, maybe about six foot two, probably in the two ten, two fifteen range. Maybe put a little beef on two twenty, um, but that's about his build. That's a natural build for him, um, and he's a naturally athletic guy. So I don't think he needs to necessarily add a lot to his frame. He's got a good build, and it seems like that's pro ready. He's um, he's mocked as a top five guy too. He's a QB up there with Bryce Young. Normally, Bryce Young, like you're saying, people are saying Bryce Young is the number one guy. Normally, C.J. Stroud does come in after him, but I think there's arguments and people have mocked him ahead of him at times too because here's the the teams. If you go to Tankathon, if you go to the one, you know, our list of the the uh, draft here, Houston at two. Of mm-hmm. course, they're going to take a QB or need one. Indy at four. Uh, Vegas at seven. They just got rid of Carr. And the Panthers at nine. Um now, Panthers at nine would almost have to be a trade target to move up to get somebody like C.J. Stroud, I think. Um, yeah, to get Stroud. Because you got all these other teams ahead of him right now. But, yeah, um, Chicago, in the, the which is funny because Justin Fields was the last QB to come from Ohio State, and they have a, a, a decision here. You know, do the Bears really like, uh, you know, this guy that they did not draft, the GM, the head coach, did not take uh, Justin Fields, but he is – shown that he has some um, tremendous talent out there or do they you know go with your favorite ohio state guy cj stroud so i will give you um we forgot to talk about how i scout too yes which is i watch the actual i watch the actual film i don't watch highlights 
because highlights are all the good shit you do. Kind of go so to the YouTube and the type film. in their name and verses and like pick a pl- somebody who's cut up like play by play all the all yeah. the offensive snaps of Ohio State. So I generally try to pick. Um, I try to prioritize the games I'm watching by. Um, you know, high pressure situations. So I watched uh, CJ Stroud against Georgia. Nice. Um, I watched CJ Stroud against Michigan this year and against Notre Dame. So I watched those three games, kind of every snap of it, really just examining what he was doing. I did that for every one of the QBs. I watched at least three games. Um, and I want to talk about some, I want to talk about the number one positive for CJ Stroud, mm-hmm. the number one with a bullet is that in two years as the starter, he never beat Michigan. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's wonderful. That's my favorite thing about C.J. Stroud. <laughs> um, you're the Chicago Bears. Uh, and if you like C.J. Stroud, here's the number one guy. They both came from the same uh, university. Who, who do you like more? Uh, I like, I like yeah. the devil I know. I like sure. the devil I know. I don't think the number one problem with the Chicago Bears is the quarterback. No. I think a shakeup at the quarterback position. You know, this is not Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen. Right. This is young developing quarterback who's probably more run first versus do you want to trade him for a guy that's a little bit younger that's a pass first but is not as developed athletically in the run game. I mean, it depends on what sort of system you want. If Matt Eberflus came over going, I can't wait to get rid of Justin Fields, that's a problem. If he says, no, I think Justin Fields, if we add guys on offense, we add guys on defense, I think Justin Fields can make this happen for us. At the number one overall pick, there's no reason to take C.J. Stroud. None whatsoever. Um, You say, too, that, you know, obviously he's not going to get past these guys in the top of the draft, but who, if you're you're just straight up drafting by, uh, and this is tough to say because QB is our first uh, group that we've looked at, Mm -hmm. but where would you take him? Where do you think his draft grade is? Uh, I actually have him as uh, mid to late first round. The closest equivalent I can give you is Daniel Jones. Okay. I've got other info comparisons I got from draftnetwork.com, Jared Goff. Uh, he's a better runner, and Jared Goff was way more accurate coming out. Okay. And then NFL draft buzz, Justin Herbert. Oh, my God. What? No, completely <laughs> different. <laughs> Fuck Justin Herbert. <coughs> so those are my NFL draft comparisons <laughs> I got from those websites. But, yeah, I love it. So... CJ Justin Herbert's you, like six foot six. He's built yeah. like a Greek god. He's got a howitzer for an arm, and he's got like accuracy problems coming out. Uh, and you know he was a better runner than CJ Stroud. Like the, uh, Q, I, just, I don't know the QB uh, window pane thing you talk about. Where does CJ Stroud hit it? Well, it's interesting when his feet are quiet. He's probably a half window guy. Nice. Which is good. I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? Half window or above is is fucking phenomenal. Um, when for those of you that don't know, it's like a window pane. Do you do you hit the whole window? Do you hit a half a window? Do you hit a quarter of the panes on the window? Four, yeah. And so, um, yeah, when his feet are good, like from the pocket, like Justin Fields as an Ohio State QB was a run first dude. He could throw a little bit, but it was he threw to open dudes. When C.J. Stroud is at his best, he is sitting in a pocket making decisive reads and getting the ball out quick. Okay. A couple things I like about him. He's got a very quick release. Very quick release. He's got excellent footwork in the pocket. Um, gets the ball out of his hands quickly, makes quick decisions, teaming that with a quick release. If you get him in a West Coast system, you're going to love this dude. He's going to make decisions fast. He's going to get the ball out of his hands. 
when the play breaks down, he's got enough athleticism to get to the sticks. He can actually make a play uh, last a little bit longer with his natural physical abilities. Um, The problem is on a rollout, his footwork is fine. You know, if you get some rollouts for him and you get him out of the pocket and you get him moving, he's fine. If he's forced to roll out due to pressure, his footwork falls apart completely. Um, which, I mean, that's a coaching thing. You know, I'm not as worried about that because clearly he's got the athletic profile to be able to make those changes. But right now, with the pressure he's going to face in the NFL, he's not going to be able to make those quick decision throws on the run and have them be accurate because he wasn't able to do it at the college level. Well, and we talk right now, if you're saying he's mocking to mid to late first round, uh, that is around Kenny Pickett time. Um, th- mm-hmm. Most mocks have him even earlier than that. That means he's coming in around when Kenny Pickett did this last season or earlier. Is this guy NFL ready to take the snaps and lead a team uh, to win? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, he's a two-year starter at Ohio State, which is a prestige university, as much as I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it he ran an offense that where he had a lot of weapons. I mean, obviously he has guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith, and Jiba. He's got fucking talent kind of everywhere. But he also uh, was fucking really good. Um, I thought he probably had a better sophomore year than he did a junior year, um, but he also had more talent on his sophomore year. In his junior year, he was good enough and did not regress enough for me to get worried about his long-term prospects which is not the case with a couple other guys we're going to talk about. All right. I well, think you can you can yeah. plug him in as a first-round talent. You can plug him in as a starter day one, and I don't think it's a bad idea. And if those are the cases, then there's no way he's getting past uh, Panthers at nine whenever they have no. a Sam Darnold right now. Yeah. And and Frank Reich sitting there like, I need a new QB and not an old guy who's about my age starting this, this team this time. So, yeah, we'll see uh, where C.J. Stroud goes, but he's kind of set up to, yeah, to be a starter. I do have one more negative about C.J. Stroud. Go ahead. Because of how talented his players were around him, he didn't tend to pay for locking on to dudes. Oh, to stare If you watch down. the film, he would stare dudes down, but if you're staring down Marvin Harrison Jr., good fucking luck defending it anyway. <laughs> you know, if you're staring down Jackson Smith and Jiba, it, good luck. But you want to see but, him work that pro- that progression, yeah. I, I thought he made decisions quickly. I thought that was good, but I don't know if I saw him do a full read progression as well as some of these other guys. Um, also, he's not in that Justin Fields athletic profile. He's no. going to run maybe a four six four seven. It's enough. Yeah. It's that's like Joe Burrow athleticism, which is great. That's what you're looking for. But he's not. He's not. Justin Fields with better accuracy. It's to he's just yeah. he's just a different guy. It's to bail yeah that that type of speed is to bail you out as the uh, quarterback in your first two three seasons and then you are just a pocket guy. Um, yeah, his I, his arm strength is also just plus. It's not elite. It's not a howitzer, but he can he can make every NFL throw. I think his his arm strength is actually is actually pretty close to Joe Burrow as well. Okay, jeez. Well, that looking sounded good for C.J. Stroud. Now coming from Ohio State, which is certainly upped its game in bringing out QBs who are ready to be uh, franchise leaders than what recently prior they've had. And it's not trying to be a trick of the joke to say prior. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> hey, hey, that's nice. But here's the segue into a team that has recently put a lot of starting QBs, because I'm assuming this is the next guy, a lot of starting QBs in the league next year, the Alabama guy, Bryce Young. Is he your next on the list? 
He is not, but we can talk ah, about him. Ah, shoot. Well, no, no, no. Prove me wrong. Who's your no, next? No, no, no. Because I, I oh. do I do want to talk about this because okay. I think my number two is a bit of a surprise. Okay. Because you know, we're seeing guys like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young where it's like, yes. hey, it's Bryce Young, number one with a bullet. C.J. Stroud's in there. Bullshit. Their mocks are peak uh, one. First round draft pick. First oh, overall yeah. for those two guys. Stroud or These Young. These two dudes are... Not getting out of the top five. You got a right? GM. Yeah, it. you got a GM, and they're 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 banging the table for one of these QBs if they can go get them. Uh, especially like Indy, who could certainly trade up with the uh, Bears tomorrow. Uh, Bryce Young, though, six foot, according to what I saw <laughs> down for him, hundred ninety four pounds. <laughs> That's all. Neither one of those measurements are accurate. <laughs> but Not Alabama, a fucking chance. Alabama in, in their recent past, they don't seem to have a worry too much about uh, body height. Sometimes they're they, they're okay with the shorter guy. Uh, not this short. People forget when Kyler Murray came out, and everybody was like, "Man, I hope Kyler Murray's five ten. You know, right? Kyler Murray was five ten, but Kyler Murray was also thicker than a snicker. <laughs> that fucking dude yeah. had a dump truck ass at five ten. He was built like a second baseman. He was built like he was muscular. He was built like a fucking keg. You know, like so he was short, but he was short and he could. You know, he had a good physical profile to him. He also had a fucking rocket of an arm. Right. He had a rocket of an arm. He His athletic profile was insane. I didn't like him coming out. I really didn't because I, I also didn't like all the fucking noise around the dude, which turns out probably is not inaccurate. That's a bit of a, <laughs> bit mm-hmm. of a negative. Um, Bryce Young, I'm going to get right into the fucking negatives with Bryce Young. And I'm going to tell you where I have him rated i have him barely a first round talent and so now did you did you come into this because obviously you went in knowing that bryce young was going to be a top draft pick in this draft it's hard to not completely put blinders on when you join this so you weren't going in there going like all right prove prove it prove it you guys and with your fisticuffs up you were out of clean mind that bryce young could be i did okay I I have nothing against I have nothing against Bryce Young. I have nothing against Alabama. I I felt like I accurately assessed short quarterbacks yep. in the past. Um, I don't think it's impossible for a short quarterback to be successful in the NFL. Right. You know, Drew Brees was fucking accurate. Drew Brees was great. Um, Kyler Murray still has proved he belongs to be a starter in the NFL. Being short is not a damning situation. Um, some of the film and so. The number one thing that flagged for me with Bryce Young is I watched three games for him. I watched Texas. Obviously, I, I do, so I want to get this out of the way. I do watch highlights as well, uh, but that's after I do my scouting. Okay. So after I do my scouting, I'm like, okay, am I missing something here? You know, what am I looking at? Why is everybody I watch in love this, with this guy? Yeah. Why is this guy? Why does everybody love him? I watched the Texas game. Good game. I watched the Arkansas game in 2021, his sophomore film where he basically just fucking destroyed them. Mm. And I watched the game against Tennessee this year that they lost against Hendon Hooker. A couple things popped out of me. Number one, his sophomore film, as I started to watch more of it, because I watched a few snippets of some other stuff, his sophomore film is fucking good. It's really good. His junior year film is not nearly as good as his sophomore year film. And that is because he's missing a lot of talented wide receivers. You know, John Mechie III, he's not there. John Mechie III, we we haven't heard about him because he had leukemia when he right, went to the Texans. Right. Um, but who was the fucking speedster that went to the Lions? Uh, Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams. They're not on the team. 
you could tell the missing weapons hurt Bryce Young tremendously. Okay. You know, he suffered for lack of weapons, which, newsflash, you go to the fucking Texans, same shit. Yeah. Probably worse. So that's the thing that worries me. This was not a guy that in his junior year was able to elevate his teammates. He was a guy that took a step back because he didn't have the talent around him. Mm. So that's knock number one. Number two, when someone tells me they're six feet tall, I'm assuming they're full of shit. Because I tell everybody I'm 5'11". I'm probably 5'10", if I'm being honest. <laughs> okay. So when you tell me you're six feet tall, I'm assuming you're 5'11". I'm not assuming you're five foot fucking nine, which I guarantee you this guy is. Oof. He put three inches on this shit. Number one, disingenuous. <laughs> you know, fuck you. Like, you're, there's not a chance you're six feet tall. If this guy comes in anything over five, I'm going to say this. If this guy is anything over five ten and a half, I will fucking, I I will I will eat my hat, I, whatever y'all need want me to do, <laughs> I I don't understand. There's not a fucking chance this guy is over five foot ten and a half. This is a short dude quarterback wise. Number two, if he comes in anything over hundred and eighty five pounds, I will be fucking shocked. This is a little fucking guy. This is a little dude, and he's built very poorly. He's very stringy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you if you want a physical equivalent, go back and take some pictures or take a look at some pictures of Kyler Murray coming out of Oklahoma. What do you see? You see a thick boy. You see a boy that drinks milkshakes. <laughs> what do you see when you see Bryce Young? I see a vegan trying to sign me up for shit on the streets. <laughs> I it is not an athletic body. It's really not. Yeah. So those are the negatives. Okay. Well, and <laughs> those are some negatives. I mean, honestly, though, his mocks are putting him right there. I, we talked about it already with Stroud, top five, uh, a tr- a trade target there uh, with Chicago and Arizona's picks or Houston and and Indy can take him. Wouldn't touch him. I would not touch him. I would not touch him with a top first round. Anything above fifteen or sixteen, I wouldn't fucking touch this guy. Wow. Um. Oh, I, I never. I would not ne- like. I would be. I would be so much more worried that I'm going to lose my job for drafting him than losing my job for avoiding him. And and that helps me make that decision. It's yeah. like, oh, this guy is not a game changer the way some of these guys are. But I, I, I've shit a lot on him, so I want to talk about some things he's actually very good at. Yeah, what's the positive? Um, why, why do people see him so high? There's two things. Um, he is able to make a lot of plays when the pocket breaks down. Because he's got a good athletic profile. The problem is he's really close to getting sacked on a lot of these plays. And in the NFL, he's going to get sacked. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's not like the Lamar Jackson physicality or athleticism where you're like, oh my God, he's so much faster than everybody on the field. It's like, oh, he's a little bit faster than everybody on the field. And that's been enough of a difference. Um, number two, I think he probably runs like maybe a 4-5. Maybe 4-5, 4-6. You know, which is good. That's good speed. That's good agility. Um Number two, I think he sees the field like a very seasoned quarterback. I, I think he's been properly coached. I love watching his progressions, like that limitation with C.J. Stroud where he kind of locks in on dudes. Not an issue with Bryce Young. Bryce Young is reading the field, which is why I don't think the the height is as much of an issue because the guy is able to fucking read where everybody is. He's got a great uh, field presence. Like He kind of knows where everybody is even when a play breaks down. So that's a that's a huge advantage to a QB who seems to th- see the field three-dimensionally no matter where he is, you know, rushing away, you know, getting away from rushers, um, trying to run the ball himself. He seems to know where everybody is naturally. There's a great intuition with him. Also, he fundamentally 
trusts his arm. Okay. He's got a very quick release, uh, very accurate. This is this is a guy that even when he's on a breakdown play, we're talking about a quarter window accuracy on broken down plays, which that's tremendous. That's really, really good. The problem becomes, I don't think he's really got a very strong arm. So those are those things that in college don't catch up to you because your guys get a little bit more separation. Even if your arm's not that strong, they can't close that window on you. Right. But I think his arm isn't in that plus territory, so those windows are going to close on him a lot faster in the NFL. He's not going to be able to squeeze out of the pocket as well in the NFL. Um, I, I thought his throws from an unstable base were probably better than everybody. Um, that's, that's the thing he does very well. Natural thrower of the football. Natural field sense and awareness. But... Like I said, athletic profile does not fit that of a first-rounder. Height doesn't fit that of a first-rounder. Arm strength doesn't fit that of a first-rounder. I'm hearing... And the fact that he regressed. Yeah, I'm hearing that you got a guy coming from a world-top organization that may have a little uh, coming-to-earth scenario here in the NFL unless he's in a situation where he can... Yeah, where he doesn't need to lead the team immediately. And unfortunately, when you get drafted that early as a quarterback, you do. That's where everything is like relied on you. It's like, no, 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 you need to be the franchise saver here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so The best thing that could happen to him is for him to fall. That would be the best thing that could happen to Bryce Young. And we are doing this late February. Uh, it's not in totally March yet. So there's a chance quarterbacks especially move around quite a bit. Um, I want to say like that draft year that uh, Blake Vortles was going, or even, uh, God, when we did the one with uh, Baker Mayfield, there was no oh, yeah. talk about him being first overall two months ahead like this. So who's to say? Things change. People do get uh, talked up at this point. So we'll keep you abreast. Obviously, we'll be doing mocks closer to the actual draft, and we'll be talking about these quarterbacks constantly because they're going to be up there. Um the comparisons, kind of funny, Dan, because the, the first things you're talking about with these guys is his height. So what are yeah. the comparisons? But NFL Draft Buzz says Russ Wilson. Uh, Russ Wilson, yet another thick boy coming out. Right. You know, Much Russ Wilson had the arms of a six foot four man. we got to remember that. Daniel Jeremiah says a young Drew Brees. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, that's not too far off. That's not too far off. Accuracy about the same with those guys? I thought Brees had pretty good uh, accuracy coming in. No, Drew, Drew Brees was more accurate than... I mean, Drew Brees was supernaturally accurate, even in college. Right. The dude was incredibly accurate. I, I will give you a weird equivalent. Yeah. Uh, Doug Flutie. Hey. He sure. he feels like Doug Flutie to me. Dang. No, you know? that, that is short. Doug Flutie was... He was a little guy. Yeah, very little guy. Um, well, I may I, I took an assumption here of your your order without really knowing it, so I will just ask you where you want to go next, Dan. Who's the next prospect? Well, we can we can go to my number two, the guy that I had rated over Bryce Young. Who is it? Yeah, everyone wants to know. It, it is Hendon Hooker wow. out of Tennessee. Okay, that is a surprise because uh, I'm going to jump right to the mocks. Everybody's got this guy like a third rounder, Dan. Um, Dude, sixth quarterback taken, maybe fifth. He's moved up to about fifth quarterback taken now uh, from what I've seen from people's drafts. Dude, I, this is what I'm telling you. I go into these drafts, I go into these mocks, and I go, okay, I, I have enough, a rough idea of the guys, the names that we're hearing, mm-hmm. right? And then I watch the film. Hendon Hooker surprised me more 
than maybe any quarterback I've ever scouted in terms of where I thought of him going into it and where I wound up with him at the end. Okay. Hendon Hooker blew me away. Blew me away. In terms of like, I'm watching this game and I'm like, oh my God, this is a fucking pro quarterback playing in the SEC, throwing a fucking, like, unbelievable. Um, Number one, the arm. Excellent pop. Throws with very little effort and has that plus velocity. So we're talking C.J. Stroud, maybe better velocity in terms of the arm strength. Uh, Stable shelf level. This guy's deep ball and mid-range deep mid-range and deep ball are probably the best I've seen coming out of college uh, since RG3. People forget how fucking gorgeous the RG3 deep ball was coming out of the Baylor years. It is so easy to catch. It's so easy to track for wide receivers. I'm watching these things. I'm like, it's a fucking catapult with velocity. It like Hendon Hooker stunned me hmm. with some of these with some of this film. So do yourself a favor, go watch some Hendon Hooker shit. We're talking about the things Bryce Young was doing going through his progressions, right? How how well he was figuring out where his guys were, who he needs to get next, how the defense is approaching this shit. Uh, I think Hendon Hooker was as good, if not better, than Bryce Young in terms of going through his progressions. Um, when he throws the ball, he throws the ball with such accuracy that he's actually putting his uh, He's putting his wide receivers in better position with his throws. Like, he's throwing to where he wants them to go. You know, he'll throw them open in a window, which is, that's next level shit, man. Yeah. That's that's fucking phenomenal. Have you um, brought up his uh, injury, my gentleman? This? I haven't, and that's the big knock. Yeah. That's the number one knock. Well, sorry, there's two knocks on Hendon Hooker. Number one, Hendon Hooker is 25 years old. Oh, wow. So he's 25 years old, but like I said, I can't judge that shit. I, I can't judge your age, right? And mm-hmm. we're in the time in the NFL when guys are playing until they're 40. Yeah. You know, so if you go, hey, I love Hendon Hooker, cool, you'll probably get 12 years out of the guy, you know, and he'll be 37 years old. That's that's plenty. Um, and then he suffered an ACL injury in November. So you have to decide whether you love Hendon Hooker so much that you can't let him fall and you kind of say, hey, well, we wanted to redshirt the guy anyway. You know, if you're in that, you know, late first round grade area and you say, hey, we think this guy's got all of the fucking athletic upside. He's got every profile we're looking for, but we're willing to sit him and let him recover because an ACL injury for a quarterback isn't the worst thing in the world. Joe Burrow had one. He's fucking fine. You know, ACL injuries, if you're not like a run first quarterback, it's not a huge problem. Mm -hmm. So the grade of just the film that I'm seeing, I have him probably a top 15 pick. Um so I actually have him rated slightly higher just on pure film than C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and than most people, honestly. Uh, the peak mm-hmm. on most for a mock draft was like 16th pick. The uh, pick for him, and know draft buzz says somewhere between a second rounder and top 10, though. They do say that, and they have him as like the fourth best QB uh, on the list. You have him as your second, Dan. Yeah. If I'm the Carolina Panthers at nine, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Honestly, because you say, hey, I've got Sam Darnold, so I don't need to rush this kid in, you know? Mm-hmm. But the in terms of... <laughs> I, I loved watching him throw because his pad shelf level is so fucking stable. Like, it's so good. Uh, also, the guy's a good runner. He runs... His runs remind me of Andrew Luck in okay. terms of, like, this is a big-body dude. He's, like, 6'4", 240. Putting and shoulder down. beef. And, yeah. It's beef. This guy's got fucking strength. He runs well. He's got a stable base in terms of the pocket. 
the negative for Hendon Hooker is when he gets moved off the spot, um, he will sail overthrows. That tends to be what he does. He doesn't skip it, and this is a thing that worries me as a as a guy going into the NFL because overthrows will kill you. Sure, you know, <laughs> overthrows will get picked at the second level. That's what happens when his mechanics break down. He generally has it lined up really well, and then he'll just put a little bit too much juice on it, and it'll sail a little bit. Mm, okay. So, you know, if you can get him off his spot now, when he's on once again, when he's on planned rollouts, doing stuff like that, it's great. His fundamentals, his footwork are really really good, um, and he's able to get the ball where he needs it to go. And this is another half window accurate sort of dude but it it feels like he's got a bit of a the best baseball analogy is it feels like he's got a little movement on his fastball you know he might not be the most accurate guy in the world but when he needs it it's like oh there it goes like that's it's perfect so i loved loved this film do you have any uh comparisons to him because i couldn't find any um from Uh, people's articles yet the closest comparison i can say (laughs) it's so weird it's andrew luck wow (laughs) <laughs> it's Andrew Luck. I, he's listen. I don't want to say that because Andrew Luck wasn't the elite of the elite. He right. was the greatest quarterback I've ever evaluated out of college. Mm. You know that's better than any, like. It's amazing. And you're not saying he's not that, that good. Okay. Yeah, he's not that good. I'm not talking about this guy's a top five pick. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that's the in terms of body size, in terms of the way he runs the offense, in terms of his ability to run, his physicality, his play style. He's like a. He's a poor man's Andrew Luck, right. which is good enough for me. <laughs> I just found a tweet from Daniel Jeremiah that says he reminds him of a Sam Bradford coming out of college. That's another guy who had, was, had a lot of uh, stout. Yeah. A lot of clout, excuse me, coming out of college. Well, but the knock on Sam Bradford coming out was that he was thin and that he was fragile. Well, sure enough. You know, he was fragile. <laughs> yeah, sure. Very true. But really, really accurate. I thought Sam Bradford was probably more accurate in college than Hendon Hooker is, but I think Hendon Hooker has a slightly better arm. But Sam Bradford was a really good prospect if he hadn't completely broken down. All right. Well, so surprise, surprise. Hendon Hooker is the surprise name, I think, of this group. You have him, but just to shade under C.J. Stroud, right, who is your number one still of this class. Mm-hmm. Is Bryce Young the number three guy, or do you have somebody ahead of him? Bryce Young is my number three. Okay. Bryce Young is my number three. Does that mean we're probably out of first round? This is where, you know, this is where the GMs get made or broken. Okay. Is is this edge right here. And who do we want to talk about next? My number four is Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Oh, all right. So Anthony Richardson. Now, this is a guy uh, that also, too, isn't usually the number well, actually, he is usually about the number four guy, four, maybe five guys. Yeah. He's coming up on people's lists. Some people uh, just this week are writing articles about how he could be the first quarterback taken, you know, surprise Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud area. Um, the yeah. mocks don't have him over the Kentucky guy that we haven't talked about yet, but you Absolutely like him. is. Yeah. Absolutely. He's he's actually a round above uh, Will Levis. He's a big guy. So, 6'4", 232 is what I have him down as. And, uh, you know, he's bigger than the guy I'm going to compare him to, but my number one uh, comparison to him is mm-hmm. actually, I, I call, it's going to sound racist, but it's only because I'm using the word black. Uh, Anthony Richardson is black Matt Stafford. Oh, well, that is weird. I The comparison I got for from draftbuzz.com was Cam Newton. Oh, not a, yeah, not a chance. Oh, not a okay. chance. <laughs> That's racist. That's racist. <laughs> That's how you can tell. Because Cam Newton was uh, Cam Newton was a physical freak in a run first Auburn offense, mm-hmm. you know, 
who could throw. He had a fucking cannon for an arm, but, you know, he wasn't as developed of a passer as Anthony Richardson is. Anthony Richardson is more developed as a passer than Cam Newton was coming out. He is not nearly as physical. He has the run capabilities, but he's not as big and he's not as fast. So that's why I don't I don't quite have it there. In terms of why I think he's kind of like a black Matt Stafford is the arm strength, good lot. Like, <laughs> good, sweet Christ. <laughs> the first throw I saw this guy make, I was like, were his feet even on the ground and that fucking thing went through a guy? Oof. Like, the arm strength is tremendous on Anthony Richardson. That alone, if I'm a GM and I don't need a quarterback, but I'm at the tail end of the first draft and I, I look at Anthony Richardson, I go, we can put this fucking guy just on the bench and see what we can do because it's, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. The arm strength is unreal. Um, similar athletic profile. People forget that Matt Stafford ran a lot in his Georgia days. Um, but Stafford was a much better passer. That's why he was the number one overall pick. And he, you know, he was worth it. Um, some knocks on Anthony Richardson, very mechanically disconnected. You know, there will be there will be these throws that he makes where you're like, oh my God, that is unreal. Um, kind of like Josh Allen to a degree, but Josh Allen ran a lot more at Wyoming. Yeah. Um, but it, it's mechanically disconnected. There will be times when his mechanics are tight and the throw is good. Um but he is only a window guy in terms of accuracy. Another knock against Stafford. Stafford was like a half or quarter window guy. Um, the funny thing I saw when watching the film is, as a quarterback, you want your feet to inform your arm, right? Mm-hmm. You want your feet to get a stable base so your your arm and your throw is, is good and on it. It seemed like it was backwards for him. His arm informed his feet. Oh. So, like, when he would throw, his his feet would, like, try to catch up to where the placement was going to be. And so he would have these really weird foot placements on these pretty decent throws. It was very odd to watch. But um, he was a very strong runner. You know, he's six. Well, there's another guy, 6'4", 230, 235. Fucking, you feel it. Like, he's hitting fucking dudes uh, on the second leg. He's blowing up linebackers. Like, this is a big fucking guy. So their mocks have him as, like, Basically, that that fourth QB, like they have Young, Stroud, Levis going. Richardson's in the middle of there, you know, maybe first round, maybe falling out of first round stuff, and then like Hooker much further down the list. That's where people are doing these mocks. Are usually the 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 uh, order is now, that's not your order. You're saying Richardson nope. is close to Bryce Young area of mock. I'm saying he's I, I'm saying he's right on Bryce Young. He is like Bizarro Bryce Young. So if you, you know, yeah, because, if you needed a QB, you have two very different body types here. Who are oh, you looking at? You have Bryce Young just a little bit ahead of him. Just I. So the easiest way I can say is uh, Bryce Young has a late first round grade, just due to the guy's tremendous awareness and the fact that you know. If you bring this guy on your team, he's gonna be able to be kind of a leader of men. Yeah, you know he's he's got like, hey, I've got the I've got the resume. I'm a Heisman winner. I walk around like that. Like for a five foot nine and a half inch guy, like he's walking around with a lot of confidence. Versus a guy like Anthony Richardson, where you want to bring him into a locker room where he's not necessarily the leader right away. He might develop that, but on on this Florida team, he seemed like a guy people were like, this guy's fucking fun, right? Anthony Richardson's a fucking hoot. But I didn't get, like, leadership vibes off the film I was watching. Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, you're right. You know, I, I the big thing for Anthony Richardson is going to be his interviews. Okay. Interviews for Anthony Richardson are so important because if he kills and crushes a couple interviews, he's sliding in the first round. 
If he has a couple questionable ones, he's probably not going until the mid-second round. I have him rated as an early first-round talent. We're talking oh, sorry, about early early second. Second round. Okay, we're talking about two different organizations, too, where look back on the Florida Gators and the QBs that they've had come out in the NFL with success. Um, it's a small list, Dan. Can you name some? I'm looking at the list. Uh, successful Florida Gator quarterbacks? That's right. Well, there's playoff uh, winning Tim Tebow. That's, he was pretty good. That's right. That's right. Took him to the um, recently, Jeff Driscoll, uh, but he's a backup here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Danny Warfel, who never really – he was better yeah, no, in college. Than Rex Grossman. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. High upside. Yeah. There's some there. but Wait, Jacoby Brissett was uh, was Florida? He did play in Florida some – what's his thing? Uh, transferred to North Carolina State. I thought so. I thought so. I was like, I didn't remember Jacoby Brissett on there. But he Technically, was a, Cam Newton was a Florida quarterback. That's right. Cam was a Florida. So maybe there's that uh, connection there, too. Um, we got a couple more QBs to discuss. Uh, these mm-hmm. guys are not first-rounders, obviously, since we're going down your list. But uh, who is the next one on your list? Uh, the next one, my number five, is Will Levis. Okay. So Will Levis is a guy that you are not as high on as others. This guy is a 6'3", 232 is what I have him down as out of Kentucky. Yeah. I will say, once again, first thing you see when you watch the Will Levis tape, and I watched Mississippi State, Missouri in 2021 in his uh, game against Miami of Ohio. Fucking laser beam. Mm-hmm. Probably the strongest arm in the draft. Um, like, Jesus. As as impressed as I was watching, uh, <laughs> watching Anthony Richardson's arm, I'm more impressed by Will Levis. Mm. Uh, this thing is just... Uh, just a fucking laser beam. It's insane. Um, his feet are bad. His feet are bad. There's way too many throws that he makes that are just pure arm. Like, it's completely disconnected. You know, he'll throw shit off his back foot with velocity. Like, you know, early Jay Cutler shit. You know? Except he doesn't seem like a dickhead. Uh, he's relying on his fact, arm too much? That's what he's saying? He's, yeah, he's absolutely relying on his arm. It's He's not mechanically in line. Um, but I will say this. Jay Cutler coming out was a dickhead. Will Levis might be a weirdo. Okay. And this is this is a thing you got to worry about. If you watch the interviews with him, he's real happy all the time, hmm. which most quarterbacks are these serious sort of dour guys that may occasionally let a little light shine through, you know? Yeah. But Will Levis is a fucking weirdo. He eats bananas with the peels on them <laughs> and puts mayonnaise in his coffee. <laughs> so... Once again, this is another this is another interview potential you know boom or bust guy. Ooh. Where you're like, we're like, are you a weirdo who's weird because it's fun, or are you a weirdo who's weird because you're weird? You know, because that's tough to have a quarterback that's that way. We'll see if he drops down because right now the mocks have him as a top ten guy. Uh, honestly, oh. sometimes, excuse me, rivaling Stroud where he's been picked. No, not a chance. <laughs> uh, to me, he's a mid second rounder. He's a mid second rounder. Um, his interviews could push him into the first round. I can see that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I thought you were worried yeah. about his interviews dropping him. <laughs> no, I think his I think his interviews could could bring him up. I don't think there's a chance you take him in the first round if you're like, hey, he's he's kind of a fucking weirdo. If his interviews are good, you're like, okay, there. I see the athletic profile. You know, it's like kind of him and Anthony Richardson. You decide which one you want to go with, but they're yeah, they're pretty similar. If I'm being honest, is he a um, Russell Wilson weirdo? Is he a Carson Wentz weirdo? <laughs> Neither one of those guys. I think there's a potential he's an Aaron Rodgers weirdo. Oh God! But but Aaron Rodgers didn't get weird until he was great. Yeah, that's true. You know, Aaron Rodgers got weird later on in life. Will Levis is coming in weird. Coming in uh, weird. right off the bat. Uh, coming in weird. NFL comparison I got from him out of NFL draft buzz was Josh Allen. 
That's not too far off, honestly. That's big pretty guy, good. Big guy, big arm. Big guy, big arm. Um, major accuracy issues because he's so disconnected fundamentally. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where the ball is going to go. Like there were some, there were some throws I saw him make where I watched his feet and was like, "This is going out of bounds," and then it hits the fucking wide receiver in the numbers. And there Amazing. were plays where I saw him set his feet, drive this thing, and it's over the fucking guy's head by twenty yards. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're doing. I I don't I don't understand how your arm works. Um, so that's that's a bit of a thing. Uh, built thickly, like Josh Allen, he's a little bit shorter, but he's got a good build to him. Uh, doesn't have a great pocket presence. Tends to get a little skittish, um, and will run. But he's got, like I said, that that fucking profile, really quick release, and crazy arm strength. That to me is enough to invest in a guy like this because you go, he ran a pro style offense in Kentucky. He's got a crazy quick release that you don't need to change that part of his his delivery. You just got to get his feet figured out. And he's got that natural arm strength that's just fucking crazy. Um, and there were a bunch of bad picks that he threw, but it just came from him kind of locking in on a receiver because he would give that shit away. Like okay. there was there was a pick six. I can't remember. I think it was against Mississippi State. There's a pick six where he literally points to the wide receiver <laughs> before he throws it to him. Like, he literally <laughs> points with his left hand. Like, I'm coming to you, and you see the safety just go, okay, and jumps the route and takes it back for a pick six. And I'm like, Will, what the fuck are you doing? You That's that weirdo learn. shit that I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's too fucking weird. I don't understand it. Um, but those are the things. He, he tends to lock in on receivers. He's got some accuracy issues, which I think puts him out of the first round and into the early second. But once again, if you love a project, the guy's upside is is crazy high. Mm. He and Anthony Richardson has this have the crazy high upside where you're not worried about like if you get this guy figured out, he's a top ten player in the NFL. That's how good the athletic profile is for both of those dudes. So Kentucky Wildcats are I mean, notoriously a basketball organization. We're almost into March mm-hmm. Madness here. Uh but as far as quarterbacks coming out of there, one comes to mind for our age group, I think. Tim Couch Tim Couch, Cleveland Browns yep. first overall I mean, taken I think in the uh, expansion draft that year. Yeah, and then it was, rough. Um, <laughs> it was a rough year for Timmy. George Blanda was also a Kentucky Wildcat, uh, old Chicago oh, Bears. Hey. Yeah, didn't know that. But that was back when you know they probably only looked at seven colleges. <laughs> That's true. Um, there's only one QB That's left on your list, Dan. Who is it? Who wraps it up? Um, man, it's a it's a big drop down too. We're talking about Max Duggan. Yeah, out of TCU. <laughs> no guarantee that this guy uh, is the next one on the list after. Um, no. Will Levis in, in any way, but uh, yeah, uh, Max Duggan, TCU. I have him at six two two ten. We like doing this though. We like talking about guys that maybe are later in there. I think we had Carson Strong from mm-hmm. Nevada. We talked about last year. We did. Went undrafted. Right. Uh, signed as a practice squad guy to the. Is this guy going to do I liked the same? Him, but major injuries. I don't think he's going to go undrafted. <laughs> um, but you just said he's six foot two two ten. Yeah. That's tall. Lies. Oh. <laughs> Lies. Maybe six one. People forget uh, Aaron Rodgers is six two, about two twenty five, and Max Duggan is noticeably shorter. I would say maybe six foot and a half, uh, maybe one ninety five. Okay. Um, a couple good things. We'll go into the good things. Um, I watched the game against Kansas. I watched the game against Michigan, where he beat Michigan. Uh, so I, once again, I was intrigued by this guy because I saw the game against Michigan, and I was like. This is a guy that was in the Heisman race, and I, I didn't think it was 
like warranted. He won that game against Michigan and made a bunch of great uh, great decisions that led that way. And then they, they had a game against K-State, which was the uh, their championship game, which they lost. So the number one thing that popped out to me watching Max Duggan's tape is wherever Max Duggan gets drafted, he owes Quentin Johnson, Johnston a ton of money. Uh, which is Jesus Christ. That's a nice segue too for next week because we're going to be talking uh, wide receivers next next time we do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking wide receivers, and the the main reason you can we talk about this. The reason why I wanted to go with wide receivers is watching Hendon Hooker and watching Max Duggan. I was like, oh my god, two of their wide receivers absolutely jumped off the screen for me. Okay, and so I kind of want to talk about him, but um, Max Duggan surprisingly live arm. I expected him to have a bit of a pop gun, but it's not. It's not bad. And and mechanically, he's actually really... He's really together because he needs everything to get the velocity. Mm. You know, he needs his feet right. He needs all that sort of stuff. And when he's rolling out on planned rollouts, he's able to get himself squared up. He's able to get everything lined up to make good, uh, good throws mechanically. He goes through his progressions well. You know, this is a guy that clearly understands his offense. He's... This is his fourth year... Um, at TCU, and he didn't start the season as the starter. He started as the backup, decided not to transfer, and then in the first game, due to injury, he becomes the starter and then has a Heisman-worthy year. Mm. So really pretty pretty impressive. Like The guy came from some shit. Um, he's tough, decisive when running, um, but the strange thing is when he decides to run, he tucks the ball. So he's not a quarterback that's like, oh, I'm running out. Am I going to run or am I going to throw? No, no, no. You know he's running right away because if he's running, he tucks the ball. And if he's going to throw it, he keeps the thing up here just waiting because he he can't reset that well. Because the negative is he's got a very loping delivery. It's not Byron Leftwich bad, uh-huh. but you know it's definitely a wind up and throw because he's got once again this is a guy that's got to get all that shit going in order to get the velocity that he needs. Okay. Um, he ran a lot of option at TCU. If he does that in the NFL, he's going to get murdered um, just because he doesn't have the body for it. He doesn't have the speed. But mm-hmm. in the in college, it's great. Um, he had a condition called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome in his sophomore year. What is it? Oh, yeah. You know me. I'm getting into the medical conditions. <laughs> what um, is it? it uh, it's basically, it's the easiest way I can explain it is that it's a paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia. Oh, that's easy, right? Does yeah, that clear? Does that clear? Yeah. <laughs> so pick the easiest. Basically, way. basically, what it means is it's uh, pre-excitation syndrome, which means like still don't. <laughs> those. Still uh, <laughs> let's do some. Let's I was, do some I was the words. What happens? So when when you get excited, and you your heart rate goes up because you're excited, his heart rate goes up further. Jesus. Yeah. Now, they fixed it because it's an electrical imbalance in the heart. Okay. He had a procedure that was like nine hours. Jeez. He went back in, and he actually played that same year after having this heart condition. And there's a 95% chance that that condition cured him of this. Um, and it's also not fatal. It's just one of those things where it would be the equivalent of like getting a guy uh, doing a couple bumps of cocaine wow. uh, before a game. Like That's how jittery it would make you. That's how much, you know, it would raise your heart rate. So I mean, as had a QB, that that's probably something that's important to at least have that ability to balance yourself in the pocket, get the ball out, you know. I don't know. But here's the weird thing. Yeah. He got it treated, sure. and now he's cool as a cucumber. Mm. So he's been made medically cool as a yeah, cucumber. Yeah, is he medically over? Yeah. 
Nothing gets yeah. to this guy. Why? Because he yeah. had open heart <laughs> surgery for nine hours. Yeah, open heart surgery to fix the jitters. The, you know, the jitters that any QB coming in the league has. Now this guy can't phase him at all. He's no, he's fucking good. Yeah. Uh, I think my final note on Max Duggan was fuck it, Quentin Johnston down there somewhere because that's that's the profile. Like wow. the TC wide receivers were real fucking good. Um, the closest equivalent I can give you that's in the NFL, and this is early days, uh, is uh, Desmond Ritter. He actually reminds me a lot of Desmond Ritter okay. with a smaller body and a weaker arm. So, you know, it's not a ringing endorsement by any stretch of the imagination, but that's that's a guy who can play in the NFL. People are kind of excited about the process, but I think Max Duggan is probably somewhere in earliest I see him going is maybe fourth round. Yeah, the mocks have him actually sixth round, late round guy, definitely a third day guy. Um, mm-hmm. They have people like names we haven't talked about. We're not going to like go deep into Tanner McKee for Stanford, mm-hmm. out of Stanford. Jaron Hall, BYU. Those are names of guys I see ahead of him. Um, yes. So we see, yeah, where he and Max Duggan goes. Uh, the comparison I got off draftbuzz.com is Gardner Minshew. Uh, Minshew had a better arm and was more mobile. Yeah. So he is a poor man's Gardner Minshew. I guess is a is a decent way to think about it. It's not a bad analogy. Well, there you go. Um, that reaches the end of our QB list, guys. Um, I did not put down a, a, a crazy stat this week because we are just jumping into this offseason thing, so I'll have some for you next week for sure. But let's let's recap this. Um, Dan's got C.J. Stratt as his number one QB coming out of here based on what he's looked at on there, but it's, it's close with him and Hendon Hooker, who is kind of a surprise there out of Tennessee. You've got him... As a uh, first-round guy, too, top middle round to late kind of guy there. Um, these guys are and yeah. It, it depends how you feel about the ACL too, right? You know, right, if, if that AC twenty-five years old with an ACL injury, if you feel like he's going to recover fully, first-round draft pick. If you feel like I want to watch this, he might fall into the second round and be a steal for somebody. Yeah, but you've got teams already in the top ten that need the quarterbacks. Uh, they've they've changed up head coaches, and, and those guys are going to want to get their player that's attached to them. Their GM's a guy, you know, this is my guy. This is the guy that we got there. And this year, they could do it. So who do the Texans take? Who do the Colts take? Wh- who's moving with that Bears pick there? Do the Raiders want it? Panthers, things like that. And that's going to really start taking a close look on who these guys are going. Are we talking one of these QBs today? Probably going with that first overall pick. There's a good chance if the Bears move. I think. If the Bears move, sure. I still think it's a reach. chance, though, it's going to be a QB because that's who you trade up for, one of these guys. Yeah. It, it seems like a reach no matter who it is because there, there are no elite prospects. Everybody that's excited about Bryce Young, take another look at that film. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm a fucking lunatic. But watching the film... I saw more questions than answers, and to me, that's a that's a big issue when you're bringing a quarterback in, especially in a top five pick. Um, and then we're going to talk about the edge guys. We're going to talk about the defensive line guys because those are the other names that are coming up at the top of this draft. So obviously, we're going to get a lot of those. But we're also going to be talking about those fun middle of the round guys, like Max Duggan was today. So. Come back next time when we hit wide receivers. Uh, like you said, Quentin Johnson's going to be one of those guys. A few other names that we'll have on there uh, when they arrive. But that's what we have for this week for the Push Off Podcast, you guys. Um, look at us. We've already had plenty to discuss this week. Dan, uh, <laughs> wrap it up with some parting words of wisdom. 
just because your team isn't going to take a quarterback this year. You know, maybe you've got a veteran you're not 100% about. Maybe you've got a guy that you think has some potential, but should we spend another first-round pick on quarterback? A quarterback doesn't make everything better. A good quarterback makes everything better, but a fine quarterback just keeps you stuck in limbo. Mm -hmm. So there's a few guys here that if they go to a good team, could elevate them. There's a few guys here that if they go to the wrong team, could set these guys uh, in position to be the number one overall pick next year. So quarterbacks don't make or break you, but, uh, man, they sure do help. Yeah. Um, So stick around here, guys. Come on back. We will be talking about these quarterbacks as they progress up and down people's mocks before we hit late April in uh, Kansas City for that draft. And all of the other prospects, last year we hit over 50, uh, and we expect and plan on doing that again this year. So, guys, uh, link and subscribe to this podcast. We will see you next time. I am Scott. And this is Dan. Have a great one. Goodbye.